The Sports Career Podcast, episode 330. How can strong values create successful sponsorship agreements in the esports industry? sports achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the sports career podcast or if this is your first time listening to the show i'm your host ed bowers as always my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry especially if you have an interest in sports sponsorship and the esports industry i hope today's episode can support your sports career development interests and needs now getting back to today's podcast special guest is luke burden Luke is the Senior Partnership Manager at Ninjas in Pyjamas, where he specialises in executing successful partnership strategies that drive growth and revenue at the company. For that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Luke as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Luke will share his sports career journey and explain to you why having strong values in a company can create successful sponsorship agreements in the esports industry. Luke, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey or esports journey to the listeners. When did it all start? I'm, I'm 10 years B2B. Um, I go back to sort of recruitment and I run my own recruitment business and stuff like that. But behind the scenes of all that, I've been part of playing games and playing games professionally for years and years and years and years and years. And years. Um, I joined... Uh, Promod Esports, who are a they're a UK-based white label tournament organizer and live event production company, and that was my first foray into working in esports. Although I'd been around it for quite a while, um, did some work with ESL there, did work on some of the sort of the biggest products around the UK, um, and then I have recently I was head of partnerships there, and then I've recently moved over to. I say recently, I've been been here for a good few good while now um, to Ninjas in Pajamas or NIP. And we are, last count, so we're the largest esports org in the world after our recent merger with China, with um, E-Star and Victory 5. Um, we're one of the most history. We recently did the maths and we have played the most maps and we will forever play the most maps in CSGO history because CSGO is moving to a new title into CS2 soon. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, we're operating multiple different countries and different games, and it's exciting and fun. And I get to talk about games for a living, right? Happy days. I've got to go back in time, though, in your recruitment days, just, just to paint the picture for the listeners. Like, with regards to your recruitment days and B2B, like, reflecting now, what skill sets have then supported you to pivot into the esports industry out of interest? I did recruitment. I do. I was very, very lucky actually. I joined a very, very good company um, called Liquid Personnel, based in Manchester, with uh, run by a couple of great guys, John Cox and, and Alex Elliott, and they um, instilled in me. And I was of the time of recruitment where it's you're going to get no's, right? It, it, you're going to get no's. You're going to make a hundred calls and hear ninety nine no's. 
um, and you're going to do that every day. You're going to do three hours on the phone and people aren't going to like you. And it's not the most loved industry, but what it does is it develops an element of um, the ability to, to get up and hear no's and to go again and totally just kind of forget that last call, forget that last that last conversation and be able to just stay positive and move on to the next one and trust the process. It's what sponsorship is, is what partnerships is, especially if you look at it purely from a numbers perspective. Do the process, the end stuff will look after itself. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna unpeel this onion because it's all about like how you cope with rejection. Yeah. May I ask how you cope with rejection? So I, I assume at the beginning it was like, oh my gosh, not another day on the phone and receiving this rejection. Did you have like an internal process to f- then just focus on the process internally, not externally? I mean, internally, how did you have a, did you have a coping mechanism that made you just stay positive? reflecting i know it's a big question but it's important i think yeah i think i think it's changed very much now um but i I went into recruitment at the time with my eyes open it was again i go back to alex and and, and john they were very honest about what you what i was walking into um that you're going to hate you're going to hate it quite a lot of the time but the rewards do do outweigh that you just have to trust the process and get through and i think knowing that going in was made it a lot easier but coping with rejection sort of day in day out um every single time you know every phone call you get a no we haven't got a job for you no i don't want a job those sorts of things is removing removing the outcome from the process the outcome is an irrelevancy um doesn't matter you know you you are doing what has to be and, and this is like every this is sort of all parts of life right the, the outcome doesn't matter the outcome of what you do, it shouldn't matter as long as you do the right thing. Now, the right thing can be, you know, I, I'm training for an ultra marathon at the moment, right? The right thing, you know, means I got up in the morning and I did something, right? That's that's all it means in this situation. The outcome, the actually running the ultra marathon is irrelevant. If I fall, you know, two miles in and twist my ankle, whatever, I haven't failed because I did all the things to get me there. And that helps you cope with any sort of form of rejection or misstep or backstep in any sort of set, especially sales, um, is that, you know, just remove the outcome. That's that's an irrelevancy. Just do the thing and do it the right way. And the rest of it should look after itself. And if it doesn't, you fell somewhere in the process. I can connect with that ultra marathon. I'm training for a, mar- uh, a, a triathlon as well. So I was, in the, oh, really? yeah, I was in the pool at half six, did my 1500 meter sprint, uh, like swim. I get your point when you start, like when you've got the triathlon, you've got the swimming, the cycling and the bike, it's all about how you piece it together. One thing on this, because this is really important. When was the moment when I get about the process and following it and detaching also the emotion as well? When were, when did things turn where maybe a little bit was relationship? This may be moving on, but you said you worked in B2B. I'm just curious of when did you learn those B2B skills in sales where it's not just about getting the outcome, maybe there's that relationship building to create strong partnerships. I'm just, that's my final one on this because I think this is a really great conversation. Carry on. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very far removed. They're very separate with regards to recruitment and to um, esports, right? And, and gaming I operate in now and brand partnerships. So within recruitment and stuff, it was uh, uh, developing a trust um, in what you're creating, the conversations you have. And, you know, I, could, I can reel off various sales books and processes and stuff like that. But the, the, the thing you're trying to develop with, it, with the relationship you want to build is, is trust. Um, and in that world, they're buying a product. 
the product can change its mind in recruitment because it's a person, but they're buying a product, right? So they've got to trust you to, to, to get that to get that product. They trust you with your expertise. They trust you with your knowledge of the market, who you know, your network of candidates, who's coming available, all those sorts of things, right? When you look in um, esports, it's a slightly different conversation. It's still trust. They've got to believe in you and all those sorts of things. But the most important thing within that is the story you're able to tell. And it's all about the story behind the brand. And luckily, we've got an incredible story, right? But um, that's the thing is that everything comes back to the emotion, the story and the moments in esports and gaming, which is slightly different to where I was in the group. Still, though, trust is the, the, the main thing because someone's parting with a hard-earned cash um, somewhere along the way. So they've got to trust where it's going. Absolutely. And just from your career journey perspective, when was the moment when you went, right, I'm going to pivot into the esports industry? Could you remember that? decision of you doing that uh, uh it was so i was doing recruitment um the period of time that should not be named hit um and then while while everything was in lockdown covid i was went from working in office to working at home um working remotely i always had a bit of flexibility what i did but this was fully remote and i was doing recruitment remotely um and i th- was playing games in my rig and i was like I could just start doing this now, right? The world's remote. That's a remote business. So I just started applying, started networking, started speaking to people um, and got, and got, uh, you've read to be lucky. Uh, Rob Black at Promod Esports took a chance on me because I only had personal gaming and esports experience rather than professional. Um, and yeah, that was the kind of moment where I had a catalyst. Well, if I'm going to work from home and I'm not going to speak to anybody, but I'm going to do something I enjoy. Uh, or at least roll some elements of what I like and enjoy into it. Awesome. And I want to touch on the sponsorship bit. I've had like different people in sponsorship in the football industry, sports industry. Do you now have a real curiosity now sponsorship as a topic? Like, like you said, you got a chance. When was the most, when was the moment when you went actually sponsorship is the theme or where I'm going to specialize in? Cause we'll talk about where I learned from you on a esports summit, but just for the listener to get, a good understanding when was the moment sponsorship was a topic you had a real interest in despite it was in the esports industry itself yeah so sp- sponsorship itself is interesting to me um specifically around brands doing stuff in areas that doesn't that isn't their safe space um which is very prescient with regards to esports and I can go into the financials and why that's very sort of thing but like the coolest sponsorships anyone can ever remember um are the ones that originally you sort of look at it and it makes no sense right why are they doing that why are they here who's doing this sort of thing and then they build into being something bigger than just the exchange of funds for a logo on a shirt um and that's on a personal level that's something that I've always found very interesting is is how and why would a brand do something that is scary? Um, and there's various different um, ways that's worked and some very, very good brands and very, very, some very bad brands in the way they've done it. But it's an interesting sort of space, I think, in that sort of sense. So it goes back to your point of building the story with the two brands to create the outcome that the consumer may not see, but from a business standpoint, there's strategy behind it. Right? I'll hear your thoughts. Yeah. So like the, what's the most recent, so, um, uh, Prada and Nike, I think, the football boots um, that they've just done, that's 
think that's just so interesting. It, it's one of those ones that you go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Now, how's it not been done before? Right. It's a really interesting and obvious kind of partnership to, to be done uh, in those sorts of ones. And then you look at um, but then you have brands that become synonymous with moments. So um, Robinson's um, with Wimbledon squash yeah, yeah, got it. and Wimbledon. Right. It's just become such a or, or Gazprom and the Champions League. Right. It's just it's the, the Gazprom means nothing to anybody. It's some people still joke about having a pint of Gazprom while they watch the football. It, it means nothing. But the story that's been told and the moments that have been created with those two brands together, doing it properly, investing in something that really matters to people um, is really is a really interesting sort of story for me. Out of interest, have you seen the one with Jim Shark and uh, Bumble? Yes. So uh, that's that's one of that's one of those ones that sort of I really want to know how it happened because cynically I'm like, is that was that a boardroom partnership that was played out on social media like in a very smart way? Was it very organic? I don't know. I know a couple of the guys at Gymshark. I've done some work with them previously. Um, we were part, when I was at ProMod, we were part of, um, they did something called their Deload campaign a year ago around mental health, where they set up a barbershop. Um, it was a I guy. I love that. I've seen that. It's brilliant. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was in Shoreditch. Yeah, it was in Shoreditch. So we did like the gaming section of what they were doing there. It was with a guy called Sam Ward, an incredible guy who does some amazing stuff with brands and partnerships and fit like physical live activations um and that was very organic so i like to think the bumper one was organic it's it's very very clever it's very 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 clever very very good partnership it's something that meet that makes sense again but like whoever thought dating in the gym was going to be the brand partnership that would break the internet for a little while because no one's done it right and until someone breaks some ground with something new it doesn't exist. There's no, there's no tangible nature to, to cling on to, to recreate it. Right. hundred percent. I hope people are lighting this conversation with real case studies just to go back a step. So I'm all about like skill sets and knowledge before we talk about esports in itself, reflecting now you being in the role in the sponsorship field, like what, I know we talked about trust, so we may not use that one because that's in all aspects of business, but from a sponsorship standpoint, like what real core skills have supported you? What, so one thing that brands need now that's changed from a little while ago is numbers, statistics, facts, those sorts of things. And that's changed because it, there, a lot of it's very, very sort of available. Right. So one thing that is very important for anybody who wants to to get into that world is um, gone are the days of being just mad. You know, the Mad Men TV show, spewing off a slogan, let's slap it on a T-shirt and have it out. It's knowing the numbers and understanding the numbers and being able to work through data yourself and, and being able to present it in, in a good way, in a new way, um, because those numbers are very, very important. Um, it's an understanding of what is actually deliverable. A lot of brands would like to get a, a I mean, everyone would like to get a return on investment. They want to be able to directly track the, the money put into the money come out. Um, sometimes there is an understanding of what is actually a, you're able to deliver and not over promising um, so that you can deliver X amount of brand value in different areas. Um, and that will turn into return investment down the line, but you're not going to get an immediate return on those things and understanding. Um, and I think it's a, a passion for the product helps quite a lot. Um, there are excellent partnership people in football. There are excellent partnership people in tennis, basketball, um, in every walk of life, right, with a corporate partnership, stuff like that. The good ones, though, 
care about you know, like some people don't care about the actual company they work for but they care about the industry they're in um i mean i know i know some man city fans who work at man united right they don't care but they do care about football um and that's the thing is that a passion for the actual product itself really helps you talk about it in a way that the brands will understand putting you on the spot now how would you define a great partnership from a sponsorship lens there's two ways to look at it right there's from my perspective which is as the rights holder so for me from as a rights holder it is a you want a brand that's willing to take some risks um a brand that trusts and you have to build that trust but trusts you to be an expert in your space um and a brand that has a reasonable understanding as to the budget required for things to happen um and there's there's loads more to it right you can go into i need someone to be able to come back to me on time i need to get certain things done. So i need to know who's going to sign up for them their extra minutia to something um but the the three main ones are a little bit of risk uh, a little bit of trust and a little bit of money all of it will go a long way from a brand's perspective it's it, it's slightly different i think it's, it's it can be something they, they want something that is uh, more mutually beneficial to both to both to both sort of perspectives so it's not just a case of i want to buy your audience if you want to do that go get an influencer um, and just buy the audience for that period of time it's something that there is a there's a mutual beneficial of both brands working together to create something new and something different not just put a logo on a shirt put a logo on a broadcaster do an advert right 100 percent. and final thing because i want to touch on this esports side just for people listening going i really want to work in esports like what qualities do you need because i've now interviewed a few more esports professionals they're passionate about the industry growing with right integrity it's not just about people playing games i'm trying to even my show i want to raise the awareness it's you know it's not gamers that playing games it is an industry so i just want to hear your thoughts now you've been it a few years now like what qualities do you need to work actually in the esports industry itself yeah you could you could talk about the the, the slight differentiation between gaming and esports to the ends of the earth right but um to work in esports itself i think you have to understand coming in we're a young industry still we are still a young industry we've been around for uh 20 years we'll say maybe 30 years depending on whether you class pong as a competitive game or not in that sense there are teething pains within an industry that young and to come into that you have to be flexible you have to be willing to probably do more than what is just your job role but a passion for the industry is kind of kind of a given but the the big one is it's not your it's not a cash grab right it's been seen for quite a while as an industry where there's loads of money and everyone wanted to get into it all of a sudden. Um, and then you're looking for people who are trying to get out of it again all of a sudden. You have to understand that it's an industry that will serve you great as long as you're willing to serve it a little bit. Um, your expertise don't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done previously. Um, none of those things. As long as you care a bit and you're willing to work hard and do a couple of other roles that aren't necessarily quite yours, it's great fun. Um, you get to be in stadiums. You get to see the fireworks go off. You also get to see um, young young individuals, kids or young adults play games for the first time competitively. You get to f- help fund or create some of the biggest moments in, in history that go down. But, and, you know, you don't have those opportunities in traditional sport anymore without growing up with it quite a high way because, you know, 
it's been around for a while. There's only so many senior partnerships, men at, or women at um, Man United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, right? Um, so the opportunities are there as long as you're willing to work hard and be part of it more than anything. Top man, Lou. I hope people are taking notes and listening carefully because I think this is a really important point from an industry scope of working in this sector because this where I found fascinating learning from you at the eSports conference. It was like, okay, this, like I didn't realise how academia has such an important role now to have that research element in, not just educate people to work in the eSports industry, more just having a, a research aspect that traditional sport has to, to be like a back of the industry. So everything's documented and done things right. I, I found really fascinating. Um, then just the business side of what you're doing. I'm going to bring on today's podcast topic, though, because to me, it was fascinating because I've had this topic. I, I ran after the your talk about values and also goals that make sponsorship agreements successful from a fan engagement perspective. Like, why are these important? Like, we understand from an industry, but from a fan engagement, why is values important from a sponsorship perspective? The core example, I think, and I think it, it folded out relatively well in the traditional sports world as well. Um, crypto became a big thing. Um, and that alongside various rug pulls, coins, um, you look at um, various exchanges that, that went bust and um, blew up and those sorts of things. That's a sort of very core microcosm as to why the values of a partnership are very, very, very important. Because there have been partnerships where those values were put to the wayside in exchange for just a lot of money. Um, and that was basically taking from the fans and not giving anything back. Um, those values of, like we said, trust, right? The trust has got to go both ways. The, the values of um, what the other brand stands for, as opposed to do they stand for anything or are they just trying to make money? There are some very core charity partners within esports as well. Um, all of those things, I think, are, are very important to maintain the value of your, my brand, be that that being NIP, um, and also the, the brand that wants to come in, what, what they stand for. You have a need for cash in our industry. Um, so I can understand why sometimes people, they don't, brands or companies or whoever, do want to take that cash in. Um, but the most important thing is that, though, that there is a sort of a symbiotic nature between partnerships that really stand for something or work long term. And I'm not saying, you know, we're, we're all going to go save the whales. I'm not saying we're all going to go plant trees. Us ourselves, we're partnered with Razor, we're partnered with Samsung, we're partnered with Fila um, and a multitude of other brands, Red Bull and things like that. Like, but they are strategic partnerships that are picked for what those brands is stand, what that brand is standing for, and what we want to do together, um, rather than just being sort of a, a cash grab and we'll put their logo on. So yeah, like Red Bull is very stands for that, ath that athletic kind of top performance kind of level. So and that is what Red Bull are, and that's what we are. We're a performance based esports org. We're not an influence led org. We don't have influence. We're all about performance, which is there's a multitude of energy drinks you can go for, but Red Bull was who we wanted for that reason. Um, and things like that, I think they, ha they have to make sense. I'm going to bring back a quote. You know what I'm about to say, because when I learned from Luke, he said he finished with this statement. And what I liked about it, sorry, the disclaimer, there is a swear word. It's not that bad, but it's more emphasizing the point that sometimes we forget the basics of sponsorship needs to align with the fan engagement. So your sort of quote was fan give a shit that make their thing happen. So for their thing, for everybody, it could be 
this certain esports competition event branded with a certain brand and really the fans can be ambassadors if it makes sense like they're, they're almost endorsing the brand during that competition i'm, I'm saying is a, a case study example but when i heard that i was like luke one i've got to get you on the show but two i haven't heard it from that perspective can you just go through that quote i know i give an example but relate to what i've said i'll do it very specifically esports but it, it's something that i think could be held across partnerships in, in general right um esports fans we have what we like to call the the unreachable demographic we have got young affluent highly educated individuals who are online only um if they're like me they haven't got a tv subscription they don't have sky they don't have virgin um they are savvy we've, we've brought up on banner ads and pop-up ads we know we're being advertised to right but you also have some of the most loyal fan group right around um and what that grants is that they know and they they, they know how esports works we are um we've got esports industry is about worth about 1.8 billion it's not loads but about 60 percent of that is funded through sponsorship that's what the industry is that's what we need we need to get a lot of cash for our industry to continue fans will love whatever brand continues their passion be that the team they support, be that IEM Cologne, um, big stadium event, be that MSI, the, the mid-season internet invitation that was just held at the Copper Box in London, or the Blast Major, the final CSGO tournament in Paris. The brands that help make those events or moments or teams exist will get a lifetime um, customer or in the case of DHL, who are, who are partnered with um, ESL for, for, for quite a while, I believe it's still ongoing. That was a recruitment driver for them. They've got they had a massive uptick of 1,800 applications directly from ESL broadcast and live of people they never would have reached previously. So they've managed to increase their workforce by 1,800 applicants because these people love DHL. DHL, you know, it's great. It's not sexy. It's not cool but they've managed to ingratiate themselves into the gaming esports culture by doing something that truly made the thing happen first and then advertise and then ask second. Um, so it's, it's very much, especially in esports, it's a give and then you can ask. Um, I feel it, it goes across traditional sports as well and various other areas. Um, I don't know as well, but it, it, it kind of makes sense to me. And the, the, again, the best brands that have done something are uh, we said like Robinsons and stuff like they never ask for anything at Wimbledon they just keep giving stuff away um, and I'm probably going to buy a Robinson squash when I go to the supermarket over something else right so it's that sort of thing um, that you need to do to, to yeah fans give a shit about the brands that make their thing happen um, whatever that thing is so just on that thing the one thing I want to touch on even more because of esports and you can reach such a global audience how important is creativity to grab the attention online and make the sponsorship work for the brand, the fan and the key stakeholder? I'm just curious of how creativity is that element of being different. I'd love you to hear your thoughts on that. So there is, I mean, everyone's been on that, right? There's a lot of noise um, online. There's a lot of stuff online and there's a lot of stuff everywhere. Um, we are lucky to be a um, digitally native industry so we can directly track where that noise is and who's seeing it 
from where it's going. Um, there is an element of doing traditional, traditional like branding, brand placements and stuff like that. And that that will make it. But doing some creative is where those moments live for a much longer time and really have a true cut through and people notice them outside of your own outside of the world you originally started, right? Um, you mentioned Gymshark and, and Bumble, right? That that's that has left Twitter or Instagram, right? That's that that's that's main that's mainstream newspapers. My dad's seen it. Like that's the next thing, and it's something that's new and creative and cool like that is what will give you something that lasts longer. There's always an element where you need to have a baseline of activity as a brand. Um, this is this is where I exist, right? And this is where you know you know who we are, but those moments that you can create throughout the lifespan of a partnership are incredibly, incredibly important. Is where we have we're doing a lot more. As NIP, we've got a large function of our entire business is focused towards our creative studios. Um, we've got internal creative studios that can create all sorts of content. We recently created an incredible 3D um, short film. Um, for Samsung Galaxy, and they're going to kill me because I can't remember the number of the phone, but their latest phone launch um, that was done through with all of our branding. We created a full 3D render and movement stuff, which did incredibly well. We've done stuff similar to similar to that for sort of our other brand partners as well. And though that stuff is bigger than so kind of just like the tweet or, or the, the, the moments, right? Yeah. I want to touch on one more thing now because you've just triggered it. How vital, and I, I sort of teach this from a career standpoint, like you said to me, Ed, I've listened to a few podcasts, I'd like to come and show, like, how can content creation be a way to make a good first impression to a fan or build influence in that niche? I'd just like to hear your thoughts as a curveball, because I think it's still relevant to esports. Like I said, so we are a performance-based org first. Um, we don't we don't have influences are our our players have got very good influence, but they're not influencers, right? They're players first and foremost. So what the, the challenge we have in that sense, when you come to content creation is that content has to be authentic. If we started, like if we started doing, I don't know, um, some sidemen challenge, um, hide and seek, whatever, right? On our channel, on our channels, everyone would be like, oh, well, this doesn't make any sense. This isn't authentic. This isn't an IP. But when we talk about our players, talk about the game, they talk about the skins, they talk about um, strategies, they talk about specialist stuff like that. That's content that lives and does well for us because that's what we are. There are other orgs um, that are very, very, very good at doing the other type of content, more lifestyle content. Um, and that's because that's who they are. And I think for content to work and then for brands to associate themselves to that content, it has to make sense at a base level as to what's going on, because um, you, you know I, you can make you can just make content, right? You can throw out content over and over and over and over again. I mean, you know that you create content, right? You could interview lots and lots of people, but unless it makes sense to the general idea of what the podcast is, it's just a curveball that's just kind of like just sits there and just looks weird and doesn't make sense and actually turns people off. Um, so the authenticity in what you do, I think, is very, very important. And it has to stay true to the core values of a company. 100%. And talk about values. You haven't really touched on that. But like, how important are values in regards to the work you do in sponsorship? I know we talked about there's got to be alignment with, but I'm talking with your decision making in sponsorship. 
like don't give me the name but i remember afterwards you gave me a like there's a company that work in the pair lot but it just didn't align with our values that was the first thing you said i was like boom i need that on the podcast because we get sometimes attention to the money and i just like to hear your thoughts of your decision making how they refer to the company values and why that is important then just a phrase companies obviously establish your values and who they are very very early on but they can get lost as soon as a lot of cash comes in right because there's a cost for everything those sorts of things um, what's really, really important for, for me personally is that a company that we work with cares about something. Um, what they don't have to care about what I care about. Like, there's no prerequisite that anybody has to care about what I care about, but they care about something. And that allows you to truly create a partnership that works both ways. As long as there is something that we can hang our hat on or they can hang theirs on. If it's purely, um, if it's purely, they just want to take, um, and they don't. There's no give or anything in that sort of sense. It doesn't kind of work, and, and it's, it's kind of round about the houses. So there is there. There's I, I can't name them, although anybody who kind of knows will know who they are. There, there was a very very large brand who did a um, esports and gaming campaign um, a little while ago. I think maybe eighteen months, maybe a little bit longer. Um, ago that went down terribly with regards to Twitter, Instagram, the general industry, and also outside of that. Um, and the reason for that was that they were promising in in the in the message that they were giving a lot of things around supporting gamers. This is what we can do. We can help you perform better. All those sorts of things. While in the background, the, the product they were they were doing just bad. It was unhealthy. It didn't do anything good right and those values have to align the message the moment and if we're going to uh, you know associate even for even for money right we're going to associate nip that stands for a lot in the industry with a brand it has to be something that we're also going to back and believe in um yeah it's 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 difficult it's tough there's there's there is some lots of money out there but it is very it's very important to maintain to just give up money for instance, to stand by your values in the long term, that means a lot more and gives makes you stand for something and makes you last a lot longer as a business um, in that sort of sense. 100%. So final one, because I think this will round up this section. In your humble opinion, what are the absolute don'ts? Like we've talked about the do's quickly. We don't need to repeat. We talk about being trust, showing care, actually listening to the, the, the fans, the stakeholder and the brands, so there's alignment. But just knuckle down, I'd say, your couple of don'ts when working in sponsorship and esports. The first one is um, don't don't get beaten down. <laughs> it's hard. You've got to make lots of conversations. You've got to meet lots of people, and you've got to network. It's it's hard. You do. It is a new industry that a lot of people are working in. Um, that a lot of people are trying to make money in. Other one is don't just take cash. Do something different. Do something new. Do something that is going to change and build build something bigger um and then i guess it's just don't be everybody else um there's a there's a like i said there's a lot of noise but don't i i do a lot of talks i go to a lot of events you hear the same thing over and over and over again um, you hear a lot of people talking within an echo chamber and being able to talk on things like this, being able to talk to external brands, brands that aren't normal, normal to the space and being able to educate people is very, very important. So don't just tread water, 
keep moving and keep moving forward an innovative industry um, and you have to innovate in that sense just turning back to your career now reflecting what have you enjoyed the most from your time so far working in the sports industry looking back right now the moment I've enjoyed the most was as going to IAM Katowice um, a little while ago um, and seeing FaZe win that. It's an incredible moment. Anybody who's never been to an esports tournament, highly recommend get, in, get inside the stadium um, and you really, really feel what it's like. It's just, it's something, it's, it's, a, it's a, an audience you've never felt before. It beats the majority of sort of live sports stuff as well. Um, and then for me, I've actually got one upcoming where I'm going, I've, I've I've made it when I was young. I remember telling my mum I want to work in games, and the only two jobs you could ever think was you either made games or you tested games at that time. So I eventually got to this point where I get to do it. Um, and my name, I'm speaking at Comic Con um, in London coming up, and my name's on the website. And I've been to so many Comic Cons, and I've all that sort of said so that's going to be really, really cool. And it's a moment that I'm really looking forward to. Um, yeah, they're, they're probably the two. I mean, it's not happened yet, but fingers crossed it goes well. I don't screw it up, but yeah. I'm looking forward to that. You'll be great. It, you've just triggered one thing which I've admired because you're, you're doing a lot of speaking uh, on panels. You're doing the keynote where I learned from you. Did you ever imagine that this skill set would be created of you being on stages? Because I want the listeners to learn that being a sponsorship, you're not pigeonholed in this role. You can learn new skills of like your public speaking skills. I'm going to put you on the spot. Like, how has that got you out your comfort zone and how has it made you evolve throughout your career development? Yeah, it's, um, I, I hated it um, at the start. I did, I hated it. Um, it was very scripted stuff like that. But it's, it's again, so again, we're a young industry. You have the opportunity to carve the career that you want to carve from it. Again, there are some amazing partnerships, people in esports that you will just never hear from, who will, there'll be events, they'll network, they won't do live talks, they won't do things like that. Um, but the opportunity has arisen for me to, do these things and sort of help front up the industry, um, be a voice for change, be a voice. And then selfishly from a business perspective, get noticed, right? I get to speak to people, people come and approach me more now. You get to turn it, you go purely into a work perspective, I get to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm right? an example, everybody, I put my hand up. So <laughs> that's how I approach Luke, so carry on. But yeah, I get to turn that from, and instead of me having to go make a hundred calls and hunting down the next league over, I just I can just nurture the crop of what I've developed from being on panels and talking to people and networking that sense, and they start to come to me, um, and you kind of just get thrown into it, right? I never had I didn't have any training, I didn't, I just and you just just get thrown into it. You're on stage and you just start talking, and it helps if you're passionate about it because then you can at least draw back on that if you forget the entire thing you wrote before you came out. Hundred percent. Again, on the spot, how has it improved your communication skills? that esports has done more than anything I've done previously is the ability to um, think on your feet and create on your feet. Um, I am not, I'm not our creative team. Um, they are far more creative than I am. But when you're talking to a brand one-to-one or in a meeting or in a boardroom or on a Skype, uh, wow, on a Zoom call or Google Meet call, I don't know anybody use Skype anymore. Um, you have to have an element of creative about you to be able to describe and tell the story about what's going to happen and being up on stage in front of lots of people means you lose the fear of getting that wrong um you trust yourself to 
at least get 70% of the way there and you can fix it all in post, right? I can fix it all in an email, I can fix it all in a second call, but I can get at least across the emotion that we're trying to create. Um, and that's what sort of being on stage and just throwing myself into that has really helped. I can hear like the enthusiasm through your voice of what you're saying about the creativity side. Luke, like I really enjoyed this conversation and I always like to finish with an inspirational one. And feel free to recap some of the points you said, but from the listeners listening in so they can take action, like what core skills would you give to a listener right now with regards to just working and pursuing a career in the esports industry? Like what are those three core tips be? If you want to get into the industry, doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter sex, creed, disability, any of those sorts of things, um, just speak to people, be that through Twitter, LinkedIn, at events, Instagram, whatever, just speak to people. There's so many opportunities. You'll find the ones right for you. And if the first one's not right for you, the second one might be, or the third one, but speak to people. Um, with regards to actually doing the work, I, it's, it's, I'll, we'll swear one more time, but brands give a shit about, sorry, fans give a shit about what brands make happen. Um, just focus on that. That's the most important thing for anything is that you make the thing happen and then the brand will reap the wars down the line. Um, and then the other one is it's fun, right? It's fun. There's not many times, there's not many times in life, especially in life where you get to talk about the thing you love. Um, I do, I get to do it for a living. Um, and just remember, if you want to work in esports, it's not, it's not always deadly serious. We're a business. We make money. Everyone has mouths to feed. We have stuff to put on the table, but it's fun. We get to be in the biggest stadiums, playing the best games, meeting some amazing people, working with some great brands. Remember that and you'll, you'll be fine. 100%. I love that third one. I know it states the obvious, but the fun element is what gets me back on the mic, speaking to people like you. So I can certainly relate to that. And I hope the listeners too, when you put yourself in those opportunities, which Luke mentioned, Luke, how can people interact with you on social media? Like where are the best places to go? Um, if you want to interact with me professionally, LinkedIn um, would be the best one. I'm, I'm always around. I'm always you know, accessible on LinkedIn through direct message. I'm one of these open network people. I'll accept everybody, so it doesn't matter. Um, please connect with me. If you want to do it slightly more unprofessionally, it's Twitter, um, which is just Luke underscore Burden. It's B-U-R-D-O-N, but um, that's mostly... Uh, me talking about West Ham, my other passion, me talking about how bad I'm doing at fantasy football um, and then sometimes talking about esports on there as well. Um, but yeah, that's it. That is great to all the listeners listening in. That LinkedIn and Twitter handle will be on my blog with regards to the show notes of this podcast. Luke, it's been a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. No worries. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Wow. I hope you enjoyed that podcast chat as much as I did. For me, it's conversations like this I really enjoyed. With regards to Luke's career journey, I hope you get a better understanding what's possible to really pivot into an industry that excites you. Like Luke was saying, it's only a couple of years ago, he was in recruitment, and then he had that one chance to work in esports. He took the opportunity, applied his skills from the recruitment world, B2B sales world, and applied it into what he's really loving to do now. And particularly with regards to his public speaking, it just elevates that when you put yourself out of your comfort zone, anything's possible. But with regards to today's podcast topic, I hope you've got a better understanding why values, 
trust really matter with regards to sponsorship deals being successful long term and really caring about the fans perspective i always think there's got to be alignment of the stakeholder the brand and the fan they're, they're like the three like a triangle shape if that makes sense but at times you forget about the fans and then a brand comes on and like luke said you try and just do a quick grab like a quick money grab and it just doesn't last and that's why values matter uh, building that trust matter and then if you do it right honestly the fan engagement are like the ambassadors of really promoting that brand again when it's done right with integrity so look that what i've just said is applicable to all sponsorship in any sector in any sport the thing that i find fascinating with esports is when you watch these competitions online the numbers are so huge from a data standpoint i've always been curious to like how do those numbers or streaming views influence the sponsorship agreement and partnerships as well so that's why i'm so glad i had luke on the podcast but from a career development standpoint right at the end i really do want you to re-listen to those three tips that you can anybody can work in the esports industry it's just how you apply yourself and it's like he said in the second point like have conversations with people and then finally with the right approach have fun during the process and from my experience even learning from luke in person at an esports summit and particularly on this podcast chat when you have fun in what you do with a professional manner honestly this is what the sports industry is about from a fulfillment standpoint so i have a little challenge for you i'd love you to take one learning lesson from this podcast and put into action right now i mean right now after listening to this with regards to your sports career development and then finally if you've enjoyed this podcast please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave a honest review with regards to experience listening to this podcast i can't wait to read your reviews and for me this is what it's all about so i'm grateful for you listening today but now put into practice that one takeaway put into action now and make it happen now as always at the end of each podcast episode i'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker luke said if you want to work in the esports industry just speak to people if that's online on linkedin twitter instagram or in person at events just speak to people because there are opportunities out there but you've got to put yourself out there first.